How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Annie Dillard This is B-Sides. I'm Pastor Brandon. Before we get to Jeremiah chapters 30 to 34, this last Sunday's text titled Dreaming in the Dark, I want to start by going back to our last message of 2018, Jeremiah chapters 25 to 29, titled A Proper Prosperity Gospel. We didn't do any B-Sides for the Christmas message or the end of the year message. Well, precisely because it was break and... I didn't really feel like making a podcast, and in addition, I was out of town, and rather than lugging all the equipment, I just figured, eh, let's take a break. (laughs) But so I want to go back. I want to go back and just kind of sprinkle in some of what others have said about the theme that we close that message off with. You might remember showing up, right? We don't want to treat the new year as this slate in which we can just pretend all the problems of last year are now behind us and we can just automatically start afresh. Um, all those problems are going to follow us into the new year. So we need to show up to the past mistakes and the things that have been unresolved before we rush headlong into the new year because they're, we, we need to show up to them. Uh, this is not, 2019 is not an opportunity for escapism. And that was the mentality that Jeremiah was writing to, to the Israelites that were taken into exile into Babylon, was we don't really need to deal with these problems because we're going to be back home in two years. That's what the prosperity prophets were preaching. But Jeremiah's letter in chapter 29 addresses them and says, guys, it's going to be way longer than two years. It's going to be 70 years and then God will return and visit us. So you guys might as well face what is happening. Show up to the Babylonian reality and grow up in it. And so we opened this episode with that quote from Annie Dillard, which I love. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. It encapsulates in miniature, in just such a poetical way, the idea that we must spend every day well if we want a full life. That every day matters and the days accumulate. You think about the rings of a tree. Trees, especially in our area, can grow really big and be really thick. But they didn't get like that in a hurry or very suddenly. When you see a, a tree that's been cut down and you go and look at its stump, you can see all the little rings that represent a year of growth in the tree. And you look at how small they are. These trees grew to what they are through years of patient process or progress. Very, very little bits of growth at a time. And so you look at that and you realize The tree got to where it is by showing up every day. That's all the tree has to do is show up. It has to open its leaves to the sunlight, drink the rainwaters and absorb the nutrients in the soil. All it does is show up. You've never seen a tree fail to show up. And 
that's why they're so big and strong and why they keep growing. So, of course, you may remember that in this Jeremiah in chapter 25, verse 3, has this amazing um, testimony, uh, if you want to call it um, autobiography, I guess, in a verse. He says, for 23 years, the word of the Lord has come to me. For 23 years, the word of the Lord has come to me, and I have spoken persistently to you, but you have not listened. So Jeremiah is like this tree. For 23 years, he speaks persistently to the people. And now the Hebrew word for that word persistent actually would be used um, for a shoulder, which was then applied to animals and people that carried baggage on their shoulders, which was then used to refer to early in the morning because people who carried baggage on their shoulders and the animals, they would get up before the sun so they could beat the heat to get to where they're going. And so the word gradually came to mean someone who got up very early to get a head start on their journey. And so while the English Standard Version reads that Jeremiah got up uh, or preached persistently for 23 years, other translations like the New King James Version says that he spoke early in the morning to them for 23 years. It's the same concept. It took persistence for Jeremiah to show up every day, and he showed up in a way that he got a head start, right? He took these steps to get up early so he could hear the word of God that he can then give it to the people. He got up early so that he could grow in God before the people try to chop him down. Jeremiah knew how to show up and he did it early because that's the key to persistence. If he waited until later in the day or until he felt like it or until people were more favorable and supportive of his dreams and ambitions, he would never have sought the word of the Lord because he was not supported by the people of Jerusalem. So he chose, before anybody could establish his day for him, he chose to early in the morning, persistently, get up, show up, grow up, and deliver the word to the people. 23 years. That's how you do it. God didn't call Jeremiah to 23 years of hardship. God simply called Jeremiah, will you speak my words? Jeremiah said yes. The next day, Jeremiah said yes. The next day, he said yes. He said yes persistently for 23 years. Persistence is not an exciting task. It's not something that makes headlines, which is why I'm wanting to headline it. And persistence, it's like watching trees grow. It, it's, it's just painfully slow. It's not thrilling. But it's the accumulation of persistence that creates gigantic success. You look at an acorn and it doesn't seem like much. But inside of it, through persistence, it grows into an oak tree. Annie Dillard continues her quotation, how we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Here's a larger section. She says, there is no shortage of good days. It is good lives that is hard to come by. A life of good days lived in the senses is not enough. The life of sensation is the life of greed. It requires more and more. The life of the spirit requires less and less. Time is ample and its passage sweet. Who would call a day spent reading a good day? But a life spent reading? That is a good life. 
So there, Annie Dillard's pointing out the fact that, look, persistence doesn't look like a good day. Jeremiah gets up before everybody else. Jeremiah is probably tired. Jeremiah is going to hear the word from the Lord, just like he did the last several days before that. He may not hear anything specific. He may this day. He's writing it down. He's preparing something to say to the people. It doesn't feel exciting, this persistence, especially when nobody is giving it much attention. But a lifetime of that persistence. So a day is kind of dull, but a lifetime of that, that's sharp. And and so we need to be careful that we don't simply amass a number of days of this felt good, this was exciting, this was amazing, and I accomplished major things. A life of the senses, Annie Dillard warns, requires more and more. But a life of the spirit, less and less. You see, we just show up to God's world every day rather than trying to make it our world, which is exhausting and will require more and more resources. So I love the example of Jeremiah. 23 years it's been that I've been persistently preaching to you. You see, we want things quickly. We want shortcuts. And some of us want to grow in our relationship with God. But I don't know, a month or so into our attempts, we don't see ourselves as progressing, so we give up. Look, we're the we're the last people to see our progress, and that, that's true. Because the closer we get to God, the more aware we become of our weaknesses and our failures. So you're never actually going to feel like you're accomplishing much, but that's why it's key. For 23 years, Jeremiah said, so be persistent. Just by showing up, there will be growth. That's how it works. God didn't make Christianity a thing for only the skilled to be successful at. He gave us a path that even the lame and the blind can walk on because it's persistence. Like like the ark. It was, it was Charles Spurgeon who joked that by perseverance, the snail got on the ark, Noah's ark. Perseverance, patience, presence. This is the persistence we're aiming for. John Fowles, in one of his books, and I got this from a book, uh, he said, his character said, uh, about his character, he said, he wanted Everest in a day. If it took two, he lost interest. <laughs> and I love that because we want to grow in our relationship or we want to understand prayer better or the scriptures better or we want to get a better connection or relationship with somebody. Uh, we, we want it now. If it takes more than a day, we, we suddenly lose interest. And that is so true just to our, cult, our culture as a whole. But Christianity needs to get deeper roots and persistence. Keep showing up because that's the only way you climb Everest is one step at a time. Or the only way you write a book. You don't write books. You write pages. One page a day will give you a 365-page book. You know? One mile a day will get you 365 miles into that journey up that mountain. It's step by step. It's showing up day by day. It's persistence. Not always exciting, but definitely rewarding.
The mark of a certain kind of genius is the ability and energy to keep returning to the same task relentlessly, imaginatively, curiously, for a lifetime. Never give up and go on to something else. Never get distracted and be diverted to something else. Eugene Peterson And now for this Sunday's passage, Jeremiah 30 through 34, Dreaming in the Dark. We looked at two chapters, which have been called the Book of Comfort or the Book of Consolation. It starts in chapter 30, ends in chapter 31. And in there, uh, we read all these promises of restoration. And this is in the midst of Israel's darkest period where Babylon's surrounding them, choking off their, their life supply, um, or at other moments they have actually already invaded and taking people away to exile. If Jerusalem is a body, it is being suffocated and you, it's like being raped and it's like being dismembered. The army surrounds you and cuts off your supply line. It then invades you and then it exiles parts of you. (laughs) That's, that's choking and suffocation. That's rape. That's dismemberment. It's an awful time in Israel's history. And Jeremiah is the book and the prophet which covers that. And so often, and I, I hear I hear this all the time at church, people are like, man, Jeremiah is just a hard book to get into. And look, I, I don't accuse anybody who thinks that. Honestly, if I hadn't ever um, sought to teach through this book, I may never give it much of a chance because just reading this book can be utterly confusing. You feel like you're the mind of a person who's gone through some sort of chaotic event and like you can't make sense of things. And the book's moving uh, from this timeline, then it goes back 10 years and it goes forward 20, and then it goes back to the to this other moment. And it's all, it's hard to put in chronological order. If you don't know the kings and their order of succession, you can be like, wait, I thought Zedekiah is the king. Now Jehoiakim is the king. Wait, now we're back to Zedekiah. What, what is going on? And if you don't understand that the Babylonian empire had a couple of sieges and coming up to Jerusalem, there can just, and, and, and what part of this timeline are we looking at? It can be a bit chaotic. And I understand that. So when we get chapter 30, Suddenly everything calms for a moment and we get this moment of clarity where Jeremiah sees the future. And the reason the message is called dreaming in the dark is because, well, uh, these promises of restoration are apparently a dream that Jeremiah had. According to chapter 31, verse 26, he says, at this, I awoke and looked and my sleep was pleasant to me. So we get this moment of relief, this dream. Dreams are important, and not just our literal dreams, although the literal dreams we have when we sleep are things that come out of our subconscious and come into our minds while we're asleep, trying to like make itself known. So it's something within us. Um, but so too are yearnings and our longings. They all come from something within us. Did you know that when Martin Luther King Jr. delivered his famous I Have a Dream speech, That actually wasn't the speech he prepared. The story goes that somewhere into his message that he had prepared, he was, oh, a few paragraphs in or so, and then someone who had heard him before, who knew him, yelled out to him when he paused at a moment, yelled out to him, tell them about the dream. 
And that's when Martin Luther King Jr. went impromptu. He totally went off the cuff, was no longer using his notes. He's not reading his notes anymore. He is completely speaking extemporaneously. He's improvising. All of this is coming in the moment. And it becomes what we all remember as one of the greatest speeches in the history of the world. Now, I tell this story to bring out the point that dreams are not things we sit down and create. They are inherently within us. Martin Luther King Jr. did not need to write a speech about, I have a dream. In the moment, he was prompted, tell them about the dream. And he could share it because it was deep within him. So the Christian, let me back up. The human, Christian or not, has a dream. And I believe that dream has been planted in all of us by God. It's the dream of the future restoration of creation. Now, the Christian has found language and images to identify that yearning, and we call it hope. The unbeliever has it, but they mislocate the yearning. And this is something that C.S. Lewis writes about um, in Mere Christianity on his chapter, Hope. And he talks about how hope is not merely escapism or wishful thinking, but it's, and this is my words, it's reaching for heaven from earth. It's something within us. We're not home yet, and we're, we're yearning for it. He says that, um, that he, he talks about three reactions to this concept of yearning for something more. And so one person will assume that that dream lives within objects, things you can possess or people that you can have or love. And so when one object or person no longer seems to fulfill that yearning, they can move on to another one. He calls them the fool. Uh, then another person, it's just the person who thinks that dreams are just dreams. Like you grow out of dreams. We know that dreams aren't real. So they pretend like they are so much more wise and mature and that they're beyond that now. Um, that is not what we would believe either. The third reaction would be the Christian reaction. And I'm quoting him now. And he says, if I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. That's where we realize, look, we have this dream. We haven't found its fulfillment on earth. So what's going to happen? We're looking forward in hope. In another place in that same chapter of Mere Christianity, Lewis says, Most people, if they had really learned to look into their own hearts, would know that they do want, and want acutely, something that cannot be had in this world. Often we can see the dreams and yearnings of people in movies. The director or writer who's made the movie is often portraying something that they're longing for. They want something, or this is a vision of how they think the world should be. And in that sense, we can see that as their feeble attempt to utter the cry or or, or yearn for the dream that Jeremiah has um, but without recognizing that it's God whom they should be addressing. Yearning, says Josh Larson, who talks about movies in this way, he says yearning is the most universal of prayers and instinct even the most resolutely irreligious have. 
These are frequently the prayers we don't speak out loud, for they are offered up to a God we're not always sure is listening. But Christian, we know that God listens to our yearning, and he's put his dream within us to tell us, even when it's darkest, we are getting to the future. We will get to God's happy end. And so, uh, that's, these are the chapters known as the New Covenant. Now, the New Covenant. And, I, and of course, I'm repeating here a little bit from the sermon itself, but uh, Jesus, in Luke chapter 22, verse 20, he takes the cup of his blood and says, this cup is the cup of the New Covenant. So when we take communion, we're celebrating him giving us the new covenant. The dream is becoming true, although we are painfully aware that it's not entirely true yet. It's begun to become true, and we're waiting for its grand finale. Jeremiah has his dream in a period of immense darkness. Jesus Christ offers us the new covenant through his blood when he, a time when he will go through what the city of Jerusalem went through. He will be physically mutilated on the cross, broken and smashed. And for whatever reason, that seems to be the time when the dream of God becomes most clear is when things are darkest and things are broken. There's an interesting correlation that has been made between pain and creativity, that both are the result of ripping open the box of the status quo. And so you can imagine that your life is like a box and this is your comfort zone. Uh, this is how you see the world. It's how you understand the world. This is how you like to enjoy the world. Well, pain comes and rudely rips our lives up, right? But in the ripping of that box, it opens us up to a new reality, to a newer world of possibilities. And that's often when people will start thinking about God because the box they've created that's kind of closed their minds, that's kind of shrunk them, is suddenly been blown apart. And now there's limitless possibility. You're at a place where the world as you knew it no longer makes sense, which of course can be a very scary and dangerous thing, but it also pre pr provides that opportunity to reestablish a new reality upon the true center, upon God. Creativity is much of the same way. We get so used to expecting things in a certain rhythm and a certain ritual and a certain pattern, but suddenly when something's out of line, it's as jarring as something being outside the box. And so creative people, what they do, what they're really good at is taking the boxes that we all hold as assumptions about the way things should be, and they rip open a little part so they can say, but did you consider this aspect? Or what would happen if we mix these things together? That's what creativity does, is it takes us outside the box. And so there's this interesting similarity about what pain and creativity accomplish. And so Jesus, when he goes to the cross, he is like that box that is shred apart. The suffering opens the box, but it also brings in the creative future that our creative God is ready to create for us. 
And so, like Jeremiah, dreaming in the dark. Friends, I don't want to make light of any of our hardship or suffering, but we do have the hope that we in the dark can dream. We do have the hope that it was through the brutality of the cross that the new covenant has been made possible for us. And so your box may have been shredded. You may feel like the people of Israel and the city of Jerusalem just being completely dismembered. Don't let go of the dream. Don't be afraid to explore the dream because these are the times when it becomes the most vivid. Martin Luther King Jr. was speaking on behalf of a people who were feeling suffering themselves. That's when the dream was declared. Jeremiah in darkness, that's when the dream is declared. Jesus on the cross, that's when the dream becomes reality. Cinderella, we opened the message with um, a dream is a wish your heart makes when you're fast asleep. She too, she was abused, she was suffering, she was not the person, she was being withheld from the person she's supposed to be. And yet she was a dreamer. So there's that interesting correlation that we can envision more beauty, more creativity when we're in the worst of places. And so Jeremiah models that, Jesus models that, and I want us to be encouraged that brokenness, pain, suffering, these are the moments not to shut our dreams down, but to allow the God dream to become real. I'm Pastor Brandon with Grace and Gratitude. Thanks for listening.